Good morning. Great to see everyone here this morning. We continue in our series in Exodus chapter 15. We'll be in this morning. So if you don't have a Bible with you this morning, um, you know, a good, good preacher says, Jeff Vanderstelt says, uh, you need your Bible either on an app or in your lap. And so if you don't have either, we've got Bibles in the back. So if you need a Bible, just raise your hand. We'd love to give you one. And hand that out. we got one back there, one over here. And that way, open up to Exodus 15 this morning. It's the second book of the Old Testament. It goes Genesis, Exodus, and then we're in chapter 15 of Exodus. Kind of briefly and quickly bring you up to speed where we're at in the book. Um, in case you're visiting with us this morning or your first time here um, looking for a church home, we have been diving into Exodus since about the first of the year. And, and that's actually lightning speed for me. Those will who will contest. We'd, last time Matthew was, I don't know, two and a half, three years. Um, so we're doing really Exodus really quickly here. But uh, we began at the beginning of the year going through Exodus. And where we're at in the book is God has delivered the people of Israel out of Egypt. He has taken them from a people who are, their identity was slaves. And slaves in, in bondage to Egypt. And he's removed them from that slavery and that bondage. And he has brought them through the Red Sea. And God has shown his magnificent and his power and his might. He is demonstrating to the people of God his very name, which is Yahweh. And he is showing them who he is and revealing them to them his might, his power, and his love for them. Last week, we had a fun weekend week of celebrating. We went through the song that the Israelites sang after they went through the Red Sea. And I think most of us left out of here feeling like party time, right? It was a great celebration. The conclusion of that passage is you got Miriam, Aaron's sister, Moses' sister, grabbing the tambourine and going into like 50 verses of extra choruses. They were going into overtime and they're dancing around and they're singing and they're praising God. You see, the Israelites had experienced the power and the might of God's victorious hand. He had set them free. As they were going through those waters, they were visibly seeing, visibly experiencing what it was to be set free. And as they come out on the other side, those, those waves crash back down upon the Egyptian armies. And we actually see the Egyptian armies floating up on the shore, on the side of where the Israelites are. And they are visibly seeing God's victory over the Egyptian people. They are free. And they respond appropriately in songs of praise. And I think most of us, after reading this book, would have the expect, or reading this portion of it, if you're reading through Exodus for the first time, you may have come to that point, and you're going, wow, we're expecting the next paragraph to be, and, and the Israelites pursued God throughout the wilderness and arrived to the promised land, the end, and then move into the next book, right? Then it's Joshua's turn, right? But unfortunately, that's not what happened. Why not? God had to bring the people of Israel spiritually from being slaves to free in their minds and in their hearts. He had conquered. He had made it possible for them to be free. Now they were going to have to follow and grow in their faith in the Lord and what it means to be free. And maybe that sounds a little bit familiar to us. This morning, we may remember back and remember the time in which 
God set us free for the first time. You think about when you trusted in Jesus Christ as your Lord and your Savior. For me, that was at a young age. I was seven years old. I thought I was going to get in trouble because back in that day in Nebraska, at the little private school, they could spank kids. I believe that's, you can go to jail for that now. But back then, you wouldn't, okay? Especially in Nebraska. You were actually applauded for that. But it's a different age, okay? And I visited the spanking room before, and I knew that if I went to the spanking room, I was going to get a spanking at school, then my dad would deliver the uh, bonus round at home when I, when I got home, and I would justly deserve it. And uh, she was taking me to the spanking room because a missionary had come to the school and asked if anybody wanted to trust in Jesus Christ as their Savior. Um, we were supposed to have our eyes closed when they were asking that. I did not because I was trying to look around and be sneaky, and I felt bad for the guy because nobody was raising their hand. And so off I went to the spanking room, and my teacher, Mrs. Salter, by the power of the Holy Spirit, painted a powerful picture in my mind that Jesus Christ died upon the cross for my sins, personally for me. And I still remember, it was like Christ was looking into my eyes with blood dripping from his face, saying, I'm doing this for you, and I'll never forget that. And I began to weep, and I trusted in Jesus. God set me free in that moment. But my brother is here today, and he can quickly attest that though I may have been set free, I didn't live free. Uh, I was not the greatest older brother. Um, his domper truck was smashed against the wall. I still say to this day he deserved it. But um, <clears throat> we, I wasn't free. God had to grow me up, and is still continuing to grow me up in him and take me through different things in life that helped me grow up and be free in him. God is in the business of renewing and redeeming and restoring our hearts and our minds. The Israelites are in desperate need of that. How do we know that? Well, we'll get into it when we read this passage this morning. Please join with me in prayer. Father God, thank you for your word. Thank you that it teaches us and it challenges us and it's for us. That the passages in Genesis to Revelation are for us, are for our salvation, are for our, the chance to know you and to follow you and pursue you. In Jesus' most holy and wonderful name we pray and by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Before we dive into the, the text of 22 to 27 this morning, I want to share with you a little story about a little young kid that most of us know in this room. I got permission from Glenn to show this, but I didn't get permission from you, so I'll probably owe you an apology later. So, so, so Ben had his heart set on, for his birthday, some matchbox cars, okay? Some little cars that, you know, you play with and, and play around the house with and enjoy. Glenn had, or Ben had his heart set on getting some of these. And he'd had his heart set on them for a while. So much so that mom and dad knew what he wanted. I'm pretty sure Judah, even though he couldn't speak at that time, knew what he wanted. Uh, we knew what he wanted. He had informed us, Ethan, Elijah, Catherine, Kerr. All of our life group knew what Ben wanted. He had made sure we were informed about what he wanted. And it was hard for Ben because his birthday was still a ways off. I mean, it was probably like three or four weeks, but in a kid's mind, that's an eternity, right? And he is so excited about getting cars. This is exactly what he thinks he needs. This is the missing toy from his paradigm of toys is the matchbox cars. 
And so Ben, or ben made it really known to all of us that's exactly what he wanted to have. And he was waiting anxiously. He was journeying through, through the days and weeks to his birthday, which unfortunately for Ben lands on December 24th. Or fortunately, it's either like I get in so many, I'm like double duty here. But, you know, there's the, there's the dry spell in between, right? Grandma and Grandpa help out with the dry spell, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. But December 24th is, is Ben's birthday. And so he was getting very anxious and very excited and waiting for what he thought he needed was these matchbox cars. People of Israel were very excited about their God. They were very excited about what God had just done for them. And the courses and the praises that they sang were sweet and were beautiful. They were celebrating God for what he did. And that celebration of God in the past was preparing him for the celebration of God in the future. And they were speaking of the victories to come as if they'd already happened. Their confidence was in the Lord. At least that's what they had said. Ben's confidence in his, in his parents, Ben was very confident that his parents knew what he wanted, that all of his friends knew what he wanted, and that he was going to get these things as he proclaimed to others, this is what I'm getting for Christmas. Birthday. They're really close together. I know. Look at the text here with me. In verse 22, then Moses made Israel set out for the Red Sea. Now this is very interesting as we look at this text is that this word made here is a very strong word. And that you've got to understand how the leadership worked within the nation of Israel. God had appointed Moses to be the leader of Israel. And God had appointed Moses to follow after him. And so wherever Moses was leading is where God was taking them there. So what's really cool is I doubt that the people of Israel really wanted to leave this wonderful place of celebration where they visibly could see the Red Sea and known what God had done in the conquering of the Egyptians and setting them free in that point. And how would they have known it was time to leave? Well, God was leading the nation of Israel by a pillar of cloud during the day and a pillar of fire at night. Well, they would have known it's time to leave when that pillar of cloud was starting to move away and God had informed Moses, it's time to get up and go now. And Moses now turns to the people and says, as if God was saying, it is time for us to go. God was leading the people of Israel. Don't miss that as we study this passage. God is the one that is guiding, leading, and directing the people of Israel into the wilderness. And it says, they went into the wilderness of Shur, and they went three days into the wilderness and found no water. Now, what's very interesting about this, as we've heard of this three days before in the book of Exodus. Remember when Moses went before Pharaoh? When Moses asked Pharaoh, I want to go three days into the wilderness to worship God, right? And so here we are, we're seeing that three days. And what happens when they journey three days into the wilderness? They found no water. And when they came to Marah, they couldn't drink the water because Marah, because it was bitter and therefore it was named Marah. God had led the people of Israel into a desolate place. Into a place that I'm pretty sure the Israelites didn't think they needed to go. We're expecting that three days into the wilderness is going to be celebration and worship of God. And it could have been. Don't miss that. It should have been. But they go out and they wander, God leading them three days into the wilderness. 
to take them where they needed to go. And some of us at this point, and maybe the Israelites, are wondering, wait a minute. Is God a good guide? We physically need water. Our, our cisterns are running out. Those clay pots that we've filled with water, that we filled up and, and we brought to this point, all the bags that we're carrying, they're running out of water. We need water. God has led us to kill us. God has led us out in the middle of nowhere. And in some of their minds, they're questioning, is God good? It goes back to the garden, doesn't it? The question of, is God really who he said he is? The faithful one, the true one. Is God really good if he's leading us out here? But God is leading the people of Israel right where they need to be. Just as he does to us sometimes when he leads us into places that seem very desolate and seem very dry. Hard moments. Little Ben, birthday came December 24th. He opened up all of his gifts, great gifts, wonderful gifts. Not a single matchbox car. Wasn't very happy about that, but tomorrow is Christmas, right? Maybe the mom and dad are pulling his leg, right? Tomorrow he'll get Tomorrow he'll get what he needs. Tomorrow he'll get what he deserves. Tomorrow he'll get what he wants. The Israelites got exactly what they needed. Bitter water. Now some of us may say here, say, Scott, what are you talking about? They didn't need bitter water. They needed water they could drink. You see, God is going to use what it, the physical water, something they can see, something they can feel, a physical need, water, to show them and demonstrate to them that they have a much greater need, a bigger need, a spiritual need that they're not aware of yet. You see, they just got done singing the praises of God. God, you made this huge victory. God, you've done this amazing thing. And right now they're coming off camp experience. How many of you have ever gone to camp? A few folks. We got Rusty's here. This is kind of ironic you're here with us this morning. Okay. <laughs> Okay, he's a, Cam, he's a director at Camus Meadows Camp. So if you ever, you know, most of you have been there, Rusty here. And so camp experience, they're coming off camp experience. They're flying high, right? And they, it's like the kids coming off young life and wildlife camps, and they're flying high, and they're coming home. It's like us going on, men going on a retreat, and we go on a men's retreat, or women go on a women's retreat, and we come home from our retreat, and we're like, we love Jesus. We're going to go serve Jesus. We're going to teach our kids about Jesus. We're going to be better parents. We're going to be better community members. We're going to be better church members. We're going we're gonna, to, oh, we, I got, I had everything fixed at the retreat and at camp, and I'm coming home, and it, it's all going to be better. And all of a sudden, you know, you come home to, to your spouse who's been there suffering with the kids for three days without you, and you're not greeted with a hug and a kiss and what comes next, but you're greeted with rather instead poopy diapers. Okay, you've been gone three days. I'm going to be gone forever three days. Here you go. And all of a sudden, that excitement starts to dwindle a little bit. Or the kids come back from camp, and, and they try to tell their friends and, and their classmates and their peers, I just met Jesus, or I just had this a wonderful time with Jesus. And their friends are like, who cares about your Jesus? I don't want to follow a bunch of rules. And all of a sudden, that excitement for Jesus starts to dwindle as you realize people around you are going, what? 
And for the Israelites, they're so excited about Jesus. They're coming off their camp experience, their retreat experience, and they're rolling right into this. They just got saved. Their, their, their hearts have been set free, and they're moving forward, and they're going, man, God is so good. And all of a sudden, they come up, but we're getting a little thirsty, and all of a sudden, we come to water, and it's bitter, and they're going, what? And what is their response? And this demonstrates their need for the bitter water. In verse 24, and the people grumbled against Moses. If you want to circle that word grumbled, you can. And right on the side of it, question God. Quite literally, the original of this word carries with it the weight that the same thing that Adam and Eve did in the garden, questioning God and the validity of what God had said. And they were questioning the truth of God. Is he a good guide? Is he really that powerful? Can he really provide victory in this moment? And they grumbled against Moses. What shall we drink? They're upset. They're angry. They're frustrated with God. The second day came for Ben on Christmas Day, came and went. No cars. Ben wasn't very happy. Ben was a little frustrated. Other great toys. Ben could have celebrated and, and like, I've gotten all these wonderful toys and look at all these things that I've gotten. And I, you know what? I really don't need matchbox cars because I've been provided with all this and I'm going to be able to play with all these things and do all these great things with these things. But Ben kind of had a little bit of tunnel vision, as I'm sure the Israelites had here, a little bit of tunnel vision and that we need water and we need it now. I don't need bitter water. I need water that satisfies my need, provides for my wants, provides for my desires. I got to have it. I got to have it now. You ever, you ever experienced that in your life? If you have parents, if you're a parent, you've experienced that with your kids. We personally have done that as well. I think of times in our lives, and as we've gone through this passage, it is such an appropriate passage even for our church family, kind of all that we've journeyed through together. You know, when we, Christy and I first came here to was then Littlestone and now has become Livingstone. Um, you know, when you arrive at church, you've got all to a new church family and you're going to be a lead pastor. It was my first time taking a pastor. I came out of the army as a chaplain. We had all these great expectations. We're going to come here and it's just going to go like wildfire and, and it's going to grow and it's going to expand. And we're going to have to go to like six services and we've got all these things. You know, just because we came here, right? Pretty arrogant. I know. But, you know, as a pastor, you dream big. And you want to do big things for God. We want to, as, as ministers of God, we do big things for God. That's what we desire to do. But when we got here, things didn't happen, go quite that way. The church went the opposite direction in membership for a time. We went through some tough times. And there, were some, there were some seasons that it seemed very desolate. Where Christy and I, our, our, our home became a place of despair. We question God bringing us here. We question God, God, you made a mistake. God, why have you done this to us? What are you trying to, are you hovering over the smoke button again? What sin have we done? What, what things have we done in order to deserve this? We encountered that time and God was giving us and guiding us to right where we needed to be. Thank goodness we have a God who's not a vindictive, mean, or spiteful God. That is not our God. And if in your heart right now you're feeling that way, let me challenge you by what takes place in the following verses. 
God led them there not to be mean, vindictive, spiteful, hurtful, devastating, or destroying, but he led them there so that their hearts might be redeemed, so that their faith might grow. God demonstrates his redeeming work upon the physical, upon the water. Look at this. Verse 25, and he cried out, speaking of Moses, to the Lord. Notice the difference here. The Israelites grumbled against Moses. Moses cries out to God. If you're in a moment right now where you're questioning whether God is good or, or you're in this dry spell and you're hurting and you're, there's bitter water when you were expecting something different, you were expecting that matchbox toy, you were expecting that other need that you might have, financial need, physical need, you were expecting to be healed, you were expecting more money to be in the checking account, you were expecting those things and you're not getting them. And if you're in that moment right now and you're really questioning, Lord, are you, what is going on? May you be reassured and cry out to God and not grumble against him. Because to grumble against is to sin against God and to make matters worse. But to cry out to God in desperation and hope of what he can do is to rely on him. That Glenn couldn't have picked a better song. Leaning on the everlasting. That's what it looks like. That's what it looks like. Is to cry out to God, is to lean into God and say, Lord, I want to lean into you. I can't make sense of this right now. I thought I needed this. You've provided this. I'm going to trust in your character and who you are. You're the one who parts Red Seas. You're the one who sets people free. That is who you are. And I'm going to lean into you. Moses leans in to the Lord. He cries out to God. And the Lord showed him a log. This is a great word. Again, if you like writing in your Bibles, I'm, I'm, I definitely think that that's a great idea. That word showed there in, in, in the original language carries with it the weight of teach, instruct, doctrine. God is teaching Moses that through this, I'm going to prepare you to receive what you rightfully need, but you've got to learn something first. You've got to learn to obey me before you can receive the sweetness of what you need. You've got to learn. You must be instructed. You must be taught. And so he showed him along. He taught him that this log was, was going to purify the waters, and Moses threw it into the water, and the water became sweet. Now, this is very interesting. Um, reading through commentaries and stuff, some people have tried to say, well, there's this certain log out there that... If you throw it in water, it can cause this water. I mean, quite literally what's being meant by here by the waters being bitter. I mean, muddy, murky, nasty. And by just throwing a branch into the water, it's not going to cure it. There's not a perfect tree out there that if you throw it into these waters, it's going to. This was a miracle, folks. God was doing a miracle. God was demonstrating his power, his redeeming work on that water. Because the water that can't be drunk is Worthless to those who need water and are thirsty. But God redeems that water. God makes it, goes from worthless to absolutely exactly what the Israelites need. He redeems that water. He cleanses it. He purifies it so they can drink. And what God did to that water, God desires to do to the hearts of the Israelites. And God desires to do to our hearts today. God desires to take us to those hard moments, those frustrating moments, those difficult moments, so that he might redeem our hearts and minds. 
And as they do so, that water becomes sweet, refreshing, exactly what the Israelites needed. But before they could receive the sweet water, they first had to know, they first had to understand where their hearts were at spiritually. They have a desperate need for God to redeem their hearts. And God says to them, There the Lord made for them a statute and a rule, and there he tested them, saying, If you will diligently listen to the voice of the Lord your God, and do what is right in his eyes, and give ear to his commandments, and keep all his statutes, I will put none of the diseases on you that I put on the Egyptians, for I am the Lord your healer. God desires to heal our hearts. Think of Reuben right now. Reuben is, um, for those of you who are with us this morning, visiting um, a member of our church family who is in his mid-40s, and Reuben has been diagnosed with cancer. Um, and he, it's pretty bad, um, and is going through a very, very painful time. He wasn't even able to be with us this morning because the pain was so bad. He's going to start treatment this week at Seattle Cancer Center. Many of you have been loving on him and encouraging him and supporting him wonderfully. Thank you for being a good church family to him. God has chosen to lead Reuben to a hard, desolate Because as Christians, we believe our God is sovereign and he's in control. Things don't just happen. We don't love and luck, believe in luck or chance. And God is leading Reuben into that time, not just for his benefit, but for our benefit. And that's a hard truth to wrestle with. But if you speak with Reuben, if you talk with him, if you've seen him here on Sundays... His heart is to lean into Jesus during this time. He's responding opposite of what the Israelites responded. But Reuben has his moments, too, where he's questioning and he's leaning into God. He wants to know what God is doing, and he wants to drink that sweet water of redemption that is, as he is going through this difficult time, God is ministering to his heart and helping him understand who he is. And God right now has chosen not to physically heal Reuben yet. So that he might understand, so that we might understand and all drink of those same waters of redemption and understanding that God is in control and he is drawing our hearts to him through this time. And one of the ways he's doing it is how we care for one another and how we love one another and how we respond to one another in need. I want to speak briefly about the desires and prayers that we can have for being rescued from these moments. Oftentimes when we find ourselves in a moment of crisis where we're getting thirsty, we're getting dry, we're not getting financially what we need, spiritually what we need, maybe we have a broken relationship, maybe our kids are going off the deep end, maybe we have friends at school who were once dear friends to us but now are talking behind our backs and it's hard and it's heartbreaking and you feel alone and you feel isolated. Maybe you're like 
someone who has gone through high school and it wasn't fun to go through high school and the, the friends that you prayed for over and over and over just never seemed to show up and come. And you feel very alone and you feel very heartbroken. And you keep praying, God, deliver me. God, take me out of this circumstance. God, rescue me. God, save me. And he doesn't seem to, Lord, this is what I need. I need to be rescued. I need to be delivered. I need to be taken out of this situation. And instead of getting that fresh, refreshing water, we keep getting that bitter water. And God is telling us, I'm giving you exactly what you need. Lean into me. So that I can redeem your heart so that your faith might grow in me. Because if I give you these things, you won't. If I give, if I give you what you want, your heart won't deepen in our relationship with me. And so I ask that when we pray for these times, that maybe we think about how we're praying. and We think about how we're praying for others. That is, we pray for healing for Reuben. Reuben desires this. I've talked to him about it. That when we pray for healing for Reuben, we pray that God would heal Reuben in a way that not just physically heals him, but spiritually heals him because he recognizes that God is doing a work in him and he doesn't want to miss that. Instead of just wanting to rescue people from their circumstance, do we come in and do we offer these sweet waters of redemption or are we providing a, this quick escape? When God says, I want them to go through this, and you need to go through them with it, and together, your hearts are going to be redeemed. Your, your minds are going to be redeemed. Now, I'm not saying don't pray for physical healing. Absolutely. Pray for people. We pray for Reuben to be physically healed, but we pray for it to happen in a way that which his faith is increases and ours as well, because being part of a family means that what's going on in your life and my life is for the benefit of the church. I love what God does at the end of this section. In the midst of the wilderness, as they're journeying, we come to verse 27. And then I came to Elam, where there were 12 springs of water and 70 palm trees, and they encamped there by the water. God takes them from this place where they learned of their need to rely on God, to trust God, to follow the good guide, and he leads them to this abundant place. And commentators speak to this, that in order for 70 palm trees to be watered and to be grown, that the underground spring had been plentiful and more than enough, more than sufficient for the 600,000 men plus women and children to drink and to enjoy this oasis in the midst of the wilderness. Don't miss that. They haven't left the wilderness. God didn't say, I'm going to, okay, because you prayed and you cried out to me, we're going to go from the wilderness of Shur right to the Jordan River. We're just going to bypass everything and take you right there. No, God's saying, I want you to know who I am, and I'm going to journey you through, but in this way, in your journey, I'm going to give you respite. I'm going to give you peace. I'm going to give you hope if, but don't miss what he just said there. If you follow me, because if we're not following God and if we're not seeing the wilderness and those hard times through God's eyes, we won't ever experience the abundant oasis. 
will walk right past it. It'll be there. The palm trees will be up. There'll be hula dancers. They'll be with those little things, ukuleles playing. There'll be the palm trees. There'll be the roasted pig. There'll be everything there. And you will walk right past it because we're so upset with God. We're grumbling against God because we didn't get what we wanted, what we thought we needed. God wants us to experience this abundant oasis with him, even in the hardest of moments. He wants us to know him that way. Perfect timing for the kids, because little Ben has friends in his life group that are really bad at giving gifts on time. In fact, if you get a gift from the Morrises on time, don't open it. It's probably not from us. My beautiful bride had, had gone, and knowing exactly what Ben had wanted, had gone out and gotten those car carriers and filled it full of matchbox cars. It arrived late, but to this day, Ben still speaks of God giving me exactly what I needed when I needed it. Something as simple as cars, right? And they're verifying the story right here in front of me. <laughs> I, I get it. God is in the business of giving us exactly what we need when we need it. If, if we are faithfully following after him because The problem is we'll get it, but we won't even know we're getting it because we'll walk right past it. God led the Israelites to an oasis, an abundant stream, exactly when they needed it. God wants to give us that too. God is going to lead us into hard times. It's going to happen. Because God doesn't want to leave us alone. God is jealous for us and for our hearts. God is jealous for our minds. He wants us to draw close into him, and he will do what it takes to draw us into close relationship with him. Kids are having fun. It's okay. This morning, I question to you, is where are you at? Are you in the midst of that journey? Maybe right now you are facing that time of crisis, or maybe you know a time of crisis is coming, a time of hardship is coming, and you feel desolate, you feel dry. How are you responding to God in that time? Or maybe right now you're not in one of those times. Maybe things are going really well and are really exciting in your life, and maybe you're going, you know, I, I, I bet that's great for other people. And you're celebrating, but let me tell you what, right now, as you're going through those times of of celebration and enjoyment, I challenge you to keep remembering what God has done, and so that when those times have come, that you're positioned in your heart and mind to celebrate what he can do in the midst of the hard time and situation and circumstance. Thanks, Lizzie, for taking care of our kids. God wants us to enjoy the sweet waters of redemption, the abundant oasis in the wilderness. Will we follow after him?
pursue him. Please join with me in prayer. Okay, so you're going to go up and get the kids while I'm praying? Thank you. Father God, thank you. Thank you for our kids, the laughter, the enjoyment. Father God, that they're upstairs learning about you. Lord God, we pray that you would work on redeeming their hearts and drawing some of those kids right now who do not know you as Jesus, as Lord, as Savior, that today would be a day of rejoicing that many would believe. And those that do know you would, Lord God, just draw closer into you. Lord God, we pray for those who are gathered here today, that no matter where we're at this morning, we first and all would recognize that you are the good guide, that you lead us right where we need to go if we will follow you. Lord, I pray if there's anyone here this morning that is not following after you and pursuing after you, that there would be brokenness, there would be confession and repentance. And people would turn from pursuing their own directions and follow hard after you. And Lord, that we might discover you faithful, good, and true in the midst of those times and we are not getting what we think we need. And trust, Lord God, in who you are. We pray this in the almighty name of our Savior, Jesus Christ, and by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen.